Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Welcome to Crack One Open with Mike and Elise. This is a show where we talk about beer. We taste beer. We learn about beer and we enjoy beer. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we're going to have some beer today. <laughs> are we? I think so. Is that what's happening? Is that you, the- You're the boss here. I mean, oh. are we having beer today? Please say we're having beer today. We are. Yes. We're having a very cute beer today. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some adorable beers. Aww. All right, beer fester, what are we drinking? We're drinking Fluffinity today. <laughs> to Fluffinity and beyond. Hey. So this week we are cracking open Fluffinity, a hazy New England IPA from Night Shift Brewing in Everett, Massachusetts. Night Shift was founded in 2012 by three friends, Rob Burns, Michael Mara, and Michael Oxton. What, quote, began as a nocturnal hobby, and I assume that's what inspired the name of the brewery, Ah. uh, has now grown bigger than our wildest dreams. And it's true. Uh, When I picked up this beer from the store, I didn't really know anything about Night Shift, except that the name sounded familiar. Like, I've seen it on a tap list before, probably. Yeah, because when you brought it home, I even said, like... I know yeah. we've had this beer before. Um, but they actually do a lot more than just beer, and I'll get to that in a minute. So Night Shift actually does its own distributing, which they started out just by doing like by themselves out of a Subaru Outback in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, quote, self-distribution taught us the importance of product quality, freshness, brand control, customer service, and high quality relationships. But they started to expand very rapidly. In fact, last year, they were on track to produce 30,000 barrels of beer, which is roughly 150 times what it made during their first full year of operation. Dang. That's a lot of beer. I wonder how many employees they have shot up to. That's a good question. I'm always interested in the BBLs to employee ratio. Yeah, actually, that's a- Like, how many employees does it take to get that much beer out? Yeah. Like, we don't know how much, you know, we talk about two roads all the time Mm -hmm. and they've obviously expanded and we've watched them expand literally because we go there all the time. You have access to the tap room. You can see the vats get put in. 
and the amount of states they unlock, kind of like achievements in video yeah. game. <laughs> You've unlocked 40 states. Yay. Um, but I know they have 24 hour, I believe they shifts. have 24 hour yes. shifts. Yeah. So I'm wondering like how many employees that takes and how many, like per hour, how much they can put out. That's true. Like we always get the BBLs, but I kind of want to, maybe I'll look that up for the next time. Like a more broken down, a more broken down version of like, what does that, Entail. Obviously, we know the require? amount of gallons you've what got over that. What does the manpower that. require? Yeah. yeah. But that feels like it takes a lot of manpower. Yeah. To, to get through. You need a it's lot true. of employees. It's a very good question. I asked <laughs> the hard-hitting questions here. <laughs> so because of this, in 2016, they began Night Shift Distributing to offer a fresh approach to Massachusetts beer distribution. Night Shift says, Our mission is to offer a world-class selection of craft beverage options, we look to disrupt the Massachusetts wholesaler landscape by offering craft beverage producers a like-minded distribution partner. With the support of our customers, we can impact the direction of today's monopolistic Massachusetts wholesaler landscape and create something better for beverage distribution. So Night Shift actually distributes for about 20 other breweries throughout the state, in addition to moving their own portfolio of products, which includes beer, wine, hard seltzer, hard cider, and craft coffee. They do their own wine? Yeah. So their hard seltzer brand is called Hoot, (laughs) which I really like. It looks like they do some unique flavors, too, as far as hard seltzers go. I know, like, flavor-wise, not flavor-wise, but, like, hard seltzers are very iffy, like, hit or miss for us as far as whether they have that, like, lingering alcohol-y taste that kind of... Mm-hmm. Turns you off, but I'm, yeah. ta- I'm talking straight up flavors. Yeah, yeah, I get you. So black cherry lemon. Okay. That's new. I haven't seen that before. Uh, pomegranate tangerine. I like it. Yeah. And then so the, there were a couple other flavors, but I've seen those flavors before. Their hard cider is called gold and delicious. Get it? Because <laughs> it's an apple. <laughs> I get it. Um, And they source the apples from local orchards throughout New England to keep it fresh. And it looks like the wine is their newest project. They have been fermenting for a few years now, but they just started bottling last year in 2020. But they went hard. Uh, they've got a red wine. Uh, I'm sorry, a red blend, a Riesling, a Chardonnay, a Brute sparkling wine and a Rosé sparkling wine. Do they source the grapes? I, I don't Obviously, they're not at a vineyard, right? That I do not know. <laughs> but how, no, they're not a vineyard. Regardless, how big is this facility? It seems pretty big, just from the pictures. That's that's crazy. Yeah. And then they've got craft coffee for the morning shift. <laughs> uh, to which they apply the lessons they have learned in the world of craft beer. Quote, it should be delicious and complex, but it doesn't need to be intimidating or pretentious. Both beer and coffee are fermented products with many overlapping flavor profiles, from fruity to herbal to cocoa notes. And as with beer, freshness is paramount. So let's get back to the beer. Night Shift's description of the brew goes like this. To Fluffinity and beyond. I knew (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, This 7.0 Hop Bomb IPA is a fresh squeeze from the orangest, haziest, juiciest clouds you've never seen. Mm. Pours light orange with a fluffy white head and thick haze, bursting with flavors of tangerine, pineapple candy, and ripe mango. 
sips smooth and juicy without overwhelming bitterness, finishes surprisingly clean, easy to crack another. Hey, well, that's perfect because we're cracking one open. Ah, so Fluffidity made its debut at Night Shift in April of last year, and the recipe was inspired by two batches that were part of the brewery's in development series. Um, And these were New England IPA batches two and four. So that being said, unfortunately, Night Shift did not clearly specify what hops are used in Fluffinity. (gasps) However, part of being a beer fesser is also being a detective. So there's this guy from Massachusetts who is a chemist and home brewer and he runs a beer blog. And in his review of Fluffinity, he he stated pretty matter-of-factly that Night Shift used Citra, Simcoe, and Idaho 7 hops. So after I found that, I wanted to dig a little deeper into Night Shift's website and on some hidden pages that still exist if you play around with Google's search terms, Night Shift did confirm that both Citra Cryo and Idaho 7 were used in the in-development New England IPA batch number four. Ooh, look ah. at you. Look at you. I couldn't find a page for batch number two, and that would have kind of completed the puzzle. So I'm a little mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can confirm two of the three uh, hops. So uh, we have talked about Citra Cryo hops, but it was a little while ago. So here's a refresher Citra hops have a complex lineage, including Hallertau Mittelfra, Tetnanger, Brewer's Gold, and East Kent Golding. The citrusy aroma of Citra ranges from grapefruit well let's face it it's mostly grapefruit Mm -hmm. to (laughs) melon lime gooseberry passion fruit lychee and mango so for that reason it's typically used as an aroma hop because most brewers find that the combination of very high alpha acids and low cohumulone uh, uh, cohumulone (laughs) (laughs) makes citra way too harsh to be used just for bittering so cryo hops are hop cones that have been giving the cryogenic treatment. They're frozen with liquid nitrogen, and then the lapulin glands are separated from the rest of the almost completely debittered leaf. So what's left are the concentrated bittering and oil-containing portion of the hops, and uh, those have an even more intense aroma and flavor without the risk of going too astringent. So to me, it seems like the big perk of using cryo hops is that it reduces the overall amount of vegetation needed in the brewing process, probably making it a lot easier to filter out the sediment as well, um, if you want to filter it out, while enhancing the flavor without also adding bitterness. And also, according to, I guess, a a kind of like press release from Yakima Chief, where they were touting the cryo hops because it is their proprietary technology apparently during research and development brewers commonly reported yield increases of three to five percent and for every barrel of beer gained that way water malt utilities and labor are also used more efficiently so cryo hops are the future baby oh yeah (laughs) and then idaho seven hops were released in 2015 And they are primarily used for aroma and dry hopping due to its potent aroma and flavor, which includes juicy tropical fruit and citrus like apricot, orange, red grapefruit, and papaya with big notes of resiny pine and hints of black tea. 
Idaho 7 is excellent as a single hop or as part of a blend for an IPA, pale ale, or hop-forward American wheat beers. Wheat! <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. For a hop that was released like six years ago, there's not a lot of information out there about it yet. Is what it is. Yeah. So uh, I guess all that's left to do is uh, drink this beer. <gasps> ah! I got to get the beer first. Yeah. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right. You ready to crack it you open? Ready? Ooh. Mm. Very orangey. Just right, like, as soon as I crack the can. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to, I had to put my nose up to it. So I didn't like explode with that smell. Like some other beers, but that's fine. Let's see when we pour it out. And this week I'll be smart and not fill it completely for the bread. <laughs> you don't want to overport this week? <laughs> so can we uh can we cheers? We can. Yay. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that orange though. Orange and pine. I'm getting, I was like, getting really heavy. I was getting a hint of orange, but I was surprised you didn't say pine when you smelled it. Cause when I opened the can, I smelled pine. But I also smell that kind of vanilla iness that you get from cryo hops. Yes. Cryo lends itself to a slightly vanilla-y flavor, which if you've ever heard us talk about the Tribus beer on the show. Cream. Um, that creamy kind of smell. Yeah. Cream mm. is more is a better descriptor than vanilla. Well, that was the name of the beer. Yeah. <laughs> but cream is also a better descriptor because it's not quite like vanilla ice cream. True. It's like it gives you this idea of this creamy ice cream, but it's not necessarily vanilla. Yeah. But it's also not like specifically sweet either, which is weird. Right. Which is why it's kind of like ice cream. It can be like anything. Yeah. It's just like the base what you would smell if you smelled ice cream of any flavor. That's like base ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going for it. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. That candied pineapple though. Yeah. And it really is like fluffy. It's super soft, but that, yeah, you're right. The cream uh, from the cryo hops that, that we've experienced from other beers that really comes through at the end. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's the softest beer we've had, but the creaminess in the and it's not like a, a hazy, like so hazy where it's like creamy. It's just got mm-hmm. this creaminess to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like that pineapple, though. Yeah. Like a lot of beers are like, oh, it's pineapple and we'll find more grapefruit or papaya or apricot or or something. But it really is more tropical. This is really more pineapple. Yeah, this yeah. is more like. There is but one flavor and it is undeniable and it is the candied pineapple. And I wonder if that is from the cryo hops, the cryo citra, where they're taking the bitterness out and letting that aroma really shine. Maybe. I mean, yeah, this isn't very bitter. Not at all. I mean, not to say that it isn't hoppy. No, no, you get the hop. That's why you get the pineapple. The pineapple is in the hop. No, like I'm saying, even though we get the pine on the nose, the taste is not bitter. Oh, you mean that pineapple part of the hop yeah. too? Yeah. I mean, it's all part of it. This is really enjoyable. I like this a lot. Is this a standard rotation? Um, It seems like it is now. They have a couple other in the like fluffy series, it looks like. Ah, fluffy series. <laughs> I like it. I really like their logo. We'll get into it. I know. I know. <laughs> You were just holding up the can, so I was forced to admire it again. I thought I saw some kind of hint about the beer, but I didn't. It was no. just normal stuff. It's just the way it's printed. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm, I was asking about if it's yearly or not is because this would be great in the summertime. Yeah, that's Not true. that it's bad in the wintertime. This is definitely no. a year-round beer. 
but it's 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 really good. But that pineappleiness, it, it does make sense though that it debuted in April of last year. Yeah, that would be right in time for the the warmer weather. But no, they uh, Night Shift actually does a very wide range of different beer types. Now this is this is great. Now is the fluffy series all based upon this, or is this just one of many fluffies? No, I think there's many different fluffies. Um, so it's not like this one is the base and then everybody, everything else is like no. a, a different take on this. No, not like that. So what? I feel like this is actually the outsider compared to the other ones. I was going to say, was like, about. what are the, what unifies the fluffy series? So after going through their website, it seems like they have, it, it's, it would be based on the in development series that I was talking about, the New England IPA, where there's different batches because they, they yeah. have different in development series for different types of beer. But yeah, Fluffy and Fluffinity are two different ones. And I, I feel like they're when I was reading about all the different batches to try mm-hmm. and figure out what hops are in this one is where I found all the different one. Um, it's based on the in development series is my best guess. So it's not like a Fluffy is a series. It's an in development series. Yes. Um, and then they've got a couple different mainstays. That had the title Fluffy in them? Aside aside from Fluffinity, there's Fluffy and then the In Development series, yeah. Oh, okay. So there's not a Fluffy series. <sighs> I could have sworn there was something more <laughs> that I saw when I was doing my research, but I can't find it off the cuff right now. So yeah. Fake news. Fuck <sighs> <sighs> you. <laughs> Whoa, now you're going to have to bleep that. Come on. That was worth it. Yeah, that's fine. Don't question the beer faster. That's true. <laughs> I don't want to fail a class. <laughs> so they have a test batch that they test. Mm-hmm. How many beers do they have? I, I'm really curious about the size of this place. So there's four and a series. The, they have a rotating single hop series called One Hop This Time. Okay. One Hop This Time. Sorry. <laughs> um, they've got Nightlight. They okay, so they have a craft beer line light line uh called Nightlight, Limelight, and Night Heavy. They have a Vice series. Ooh. And all of their limited releases, which there seems to be uh, like a prolific amount of limited releases. They're so, Vice series, though. Yeah. Uh sour ales are tart and fruit forward with an abundance of real fruit in every can. Give me a give me a Harper and Pill coach. I'm going yeah. in. <laughs> uh, I love sours. I know sours are going to be the death of me. Basically. I'm just trying to figure out the scale of this place. I mean, Two Roads did experimental brews and they needed an they extra brewery just for experimental too. brews. Oh, they so that's how they can okay. So they've expanded to multiple places. Yeah, they have one, two, three, four different locations. Aside from the distribution center, but I believe one of the four locations is actually a food truck. You mean a beer truck? No, a food truck. Man, this place is crazy. It is. I would totally be down for checking it out sometime if we ever make our way up to Massachusetts just for funsies. That's not a long drive from where we are. It's not much different than driving to New York City. That's that's nuts. That's like that's I'm so interested in these places that have multiple locations that are craft beer facilities because the closest we have is two roads where the second it's like one big campus with two facilities on mm-hmm. it. And, and to be fair, night shift opened around the same time as 
two oh, roads. I understand that. And there's, so yeah, there's a lot of other like Ballast Point has many yep. facilities around there, and a lot of breweries have just multiple brewing areas where they're not necessarily on the same plot of land. And I think that's very interesting. And yeah. I think that, and especially when they're not necessarily even in the same state. Oh, that's just absolutely crazy. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, like. If you think of them as craft beer developers and like, oh, they only they only got started in like 2012 mm -hmm. to increase your production to a point where as the master brewer or as the owner of the company or both, or even if you have partners like you're one or two guys or one's the brewer, one's the business guy, that's still three facilities you are now yeah. brewing, making sure the taste is good, making sure your brand awareness is good. And this is on a scale that is so much smaller than a corporate office, but at the same time, about the same as a corporate office if you're going to especially if you're going to distribute to multiple states have multiple flavors all of a sudden you're bringing in cider you're bringing in seltzer you're bringing in wine you're bringing in coffee yeah that's a lot there is no way that at that point even as the master brewer you have to be at some point like i'm no longer the master at the wine area i'm gonna have to find somebody oh, else yeah. that does wine no and i, I need I to find somebody the... else that does Coffee, think, unless yeah. you could maybe do coffee, but I don't know. No, I think that's the key, though, is for whatever venture you're getting into, you want to get the master brewer, the master sommelier, the master, whatever you call coffee bean expert. Right. And just have the best people at your beck and call. Well, I know like, yes, when when you and I talk about opening up our dream brewery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have to be able to get the capital to afford to bring a master brewer and we have ideas, but it's up to them to make that a reality. And yeah. also let us know what's wrong or right or bringing their own ideas to the mm -hmm. table. But when you are like these guys, three friends, one of them's got to be the master brewer or all of them are the master brewer. Yeah. Like then they decide we got to bring somebody else on who's also an expert in this, mm -hmm. but let's do wine. Like this is a very unique brewery. And I, I feel like I would love to eventually do another night shift where we can have them on the show and talk to them. That would be cool. Because the business acumen here and the, the idea of how the system works and how they're able to get all this done. Mm -hmm. it, it's just like at, from a business aspect. And I don't usually think about this when we're doing the show. I'm usually all about the beer, which I am all about the beer. I'm way further along than you. <laughs> uh, like, it, it's just crazy to me. Can Vineyard I be real? Seltzers. Yes. Uh, they actually have a podcast. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> Maybe we can guest on their part. No, we don't know nothing. But maybe they'd be more willing to be on our podcast, though. It's true. So they have five episodes. I don't know when or with what regularity they were released. But it seems like they have some some cool people who want to talk about stuff. It's just that we picked this up at such a last minute. <laughs> we did. We picked this up because one of our other beer people... We reached out to because there wasn't a lot of information about that beer. You know, sometimes, you know, we pick up a beer and there is no information and that's sad. Yeah. And so we reached out to them to try to do a, get some information, have them on the show and they didn't get back to us. So we had to scramble. So we got to this and I'm kind of sad we scrambled because I would have liked to have contacted these guys and been yeah. like, hey, all this stuff's really cool. But no, um, hey, I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff to, that that they would probably want to talk about. And uh, hopefully, like you said, we can find another beer to feature from them. Yeah. Or their wine or their coffee or whatever. <laughs> or hard seltzer or. Listen, restrictions are starting to lift so, now. And yeah, Massachusetts well, isn't that far away. Maybe uh, I did when it gets already warmer. check <laughs> to see if they don't ship to Connecticut. And I don't know why. They might not ship to Connecticut, yeah. but they do distribute to Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, which is a whole other thing. Their distribution thing as somebody who uh managed a bar still kind of managed a bar even though it shut yeah. down 
Um, distribution, I know, is a huge, complex thing in and of itself on yeah. distributing any kind of alcoholic beverage. And for them to be their own self-distributors, okay, that's not that strange. We talked about Thimble Island being their own self-distributors. Oh, yeah. And it is kind of, now you have to have your a whole other thing and it's it's a whole complex procedure and you're your own distributor and supplier and it's cool because they're more into it, dealing with them as, as it were. But on the flip side, now they're going in and going, also now we also distribute these guys' beers and these guys' beers and these guys' Yeah, wines. the fact and that I think they deal with at least like 20 other plus these guys are growing this huge corporate entity yeah. out of their beer business is just insane. It makes me wonder like how how monopolistic was the distribution in Massachusetts that they felt the need to take over a portion of it like well, this. I know much like Connecticut, although it's different, Massachusetts, I think, also does have their own blue laws. Mm-hmm. And I like New York has their own blue laws as well. Some of which are very strange to us. Very (laughs) weird. But also ours are very strange to other people. So it's. That's true. The Northeast has a lot of blue laws, which if you don't know what blue laws are, they are laws that are basically alcohol laws that are (laughs) antiquated and based kind of steeped on like a religion, religious type. Like Like up until a few years ago, we couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays. (laughs) Yeah. Sundays you couldn't buy alcohol, but you could go to a restaurant and buy alcohol. Yeah. And. Now it's still kind of restricted because you can't buy alcohol after six o'clock on Sundays, even though they lifted it mm-hmm. before you couldn't order it. You couldn't get it shipped to you. You couldn't do this or that. That has slowly been lifting in the Northeast. I'm sure other states are much. I know other states not in the Northeast, uh, with the exception of maybe Utah, are a lot more flexible, flexible with their their laws, much more reasonable, I would say. Mm. Uh, but that makes distribution even harder. Yeah. And like, that's just. And in Connecticut, it is very monopolistic. It's like if you're in the north, you have these three. If you're in in the south of the state, you have these three. And they're in the west and east. So for them to like take that on as well. So they take that on. They're also a winery. They're also a brewery. They're also a cidery. They also had seltzers, which every brewery has seltzer now. But it's still like that's a lot it's to take on. It's one more thing to take on. Exactly. That I, I imagine it, it like entails a completely different brewing process and part of the facility dedicated to that. So. It's just, crazy. it's insane. And I can only think of like, like this is part of, this podcast is part of Forgotten Entertainment, mm-hmm. which is something that me and my buddy Mike Field were thinking of one day and we were like, well, what if Forgotten Cinema and all the uh, like uh, podcasts I do, uh, what, what if we start to like reach out and we start to do more podcasts and what if we get people into us because we kind of know how to market and we have all these things, skills and then we got to do that and then we do that and then we get on and even at this point in, in the early stages, we're like, oh, we might need some interns or this or that. Like we're talking about that because it becomes more daunting the more you take on. Yeah. And this company has taken on so much in eight years, mm-hmm. nine years now. That's 2021. Yep. <laughs> like that's super crazy to me and super cool. Like I, I really appreciate and respect what Night Shift Brewing is doing. Granted, I have not tasted their cider and I have not tasted their wine. Oh, yeah. I mean. So I don't know about the quality. <laughs> So we're going to have to make sure we can test the quality uh, before yes, I compliment yes. them. Fully. Yes, yes, yes. We must try <laughs> these things. Seltzers are 50, 50. That's, I don't think I'm a seltzer guy. No, it's tough. Uh, there are some seltzers I love, but there's so many seltzers I don't like that. I can't be like the quality of your seltzer is live or die by me. Yeah. <laughs> can time. God, this beer is so good. It's so pineapple-y. Mm-hmm. So the can's pretty cool. It's a full wrap. So it's a heat wrap, I believe. When it's a full wrap, the way so. I talk about it. Yeah. 
So it's not like a stick on label or whatever. Uh, it is white with melty orange clouds. <laughs> they look like they were um, like graffitied on and then the paint kind of dripped a little bit. Okay. I was thinking they were clouds of honey, but yeah, that works oh. too. And then they've got little gray outlines of of where the drips and stuff are. The background of the can is white, along with obviously the honey clouds, which are all around mm-hmm. it. And then Night Shift Brewing's logo, which is why it's called Pluffinity, <laughs> is an owl, a fluffy owl, <laughs> who's kind of in a wings down pose. And his middle body is actually kind of designed to be a hop, which I think is really cool. Yep. It's very, very graffiti clever. artist kind of drawn, very sketched on, like some kind of superhero. And really lets you do whatever you want with them. Like you can color them in, you can not color them in, you can make them graffiti art. Yep. I could see that all over their wall. Yeah. I could see stencils of this all over their brewery. Mm -hmm. Even if, yeah, obviously you've never been to it or seen it yet. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I would imagine this to be very similar aesthetically to Tribus. Yes. I can see that. Yeah. With all the kind of graffiti tribal kind of like art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Night shift brewing is up on the top. It looks kind of typed in like a typewriter, which is perfect for something called night shift. I think. Which they actually, fun fact, seem to have already changed from their original logo. Ooh. From some other pictures that I found while hunting. Sometimes logo change. It's true. Well, while you look up that to show me, I yes, will continue. Uh, on the left-hand side of the top rim of the beer, it says, at Night Shift Brewing, which is cool. It's got their Instagram. And then hashtag share the night. So they've got their own hashtag called share the yeah. night, which I really like. Um, we'll have to use that. <laughs> one of the things I really like about this can is how big the right side of the can is. It's got the recycling logo, which is large, and it's got the Brewers Association in- Independent Craft logo big time on the side of the can. It's the biggest I've seen either logo on a can, and I kind of really dig it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The logo's They changed, changed the typeface and the shape of it just slightly. They, yeah. I feel like they, were, they refined the they owl. They refined the owl, yeah. The owl's been refined, and the, the font has changed on Night Shift. Yeah. But the concept is the same. The left side of the can's got your government warning. Also pretty big font. And then in its typewriter font, it says brewed and canned by Night Shift Brewing, Everett, Massachusetts. One pint, 7.0% alcohol by volume. Canning date on bottom. And our can was brewed and canned on 10, not brewed, but it was canned on 10, 14, 20. Oh, the day after my birthday. Hey, they brewed this for you. Oh, uh, that's pretty much all it says, and it's all it really needs to say. It's pretty eye grabbing with the owl, yeah, and the melty clouds, and the colors. The colors, like they're not particularly bright, but the the contrast of them really catches your eye. Well, the, there's the white, and then the orange is almost like gold, and white and gold yeah. really go together really well. I think yeah, that's true. Um, so I think I think that's probably why it caught your eye. That was what that would have caught my eye. <laughs> I had like white and gold. I think purple and gold are really nice. And I think white yes. and purple and gold, are like a, a, a trifecta are really nice colors. Uh, if if you ever see me You're very playing, regal in your tastes. I am. If you ever see me playing the game Destiny, my guy is always <laughs> uh, very purple and gold. That That's my that's my go to for my Destiny guys. Um, but no, I dig it. Obviously, the owl is cool. I like owls. Oh, the Fluffinity font is really cool, too. It's this nice little, like, simple yet kind of, like, elegant cursive, mm-hmm. especially with the Fs. It's slightly re- retro to me. I can see that. But no, this beer is fantastic. This, it is. I know I've been talking about the business part of it because it's really interesting to me, uh, the way they handle this, this brewery compared to a lot of breweries. But mm-hmm. 
beer wise, this pineapple, sweet pineapple candy flavor. I love it because I talk so much about how I'm sick of apricot and grapefruit. And and this just goes to show how versatile citra can be when used the right yeah, way. Yeah, I also get sick of citra all the time. Yeah. That's right. And it's not your everyday average IPA, which is no. fine. I mean, I, I'll drink an everyday average IPA all day and talk about it on the podcast all day. I love them. But I feel like in terms of citrusiness, it almost uh, reminds me of some cat from Japan with the orange, the oranginess of that. Like it was so fluffy and orange juicy. This is very fluffy and orange slash pineapple juicy. See, I don't get the orange at no. all other than the nose really? in the flavor. It's all pineapple for me, which ah, I love. See, I see the orange really comes through for me. The, that's so interesting. The one thing that I like about this over all the other stuff that says, Oh, it's citrus. It's this. You get your grapefruit, you're gonna get your apricot, you're gonna get your pineapple. Is this is pineapple? This isn't like this obscure, obtuse. Mm. Let me see what I think this is. Oh, it's great. No, 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 it's apricot. Like, no, this is <laughs> this is candied pineapple. It's just like <laughs> there, and that cream note balances it out, and it's just absolutely drinkable and fantastic and great. And I can't wait to try more from Night Shift. I really want to try their wine. I'm absolutely yeah. when it gets warmer. We are going to go to Massachusetts and, and go to this brewery as long as it's not on the other we end of Massachusetts. We have to take like a mini vacation to Massachusetts and just go brewery hopping. <laughs> and then we also got to do Vermont, New Hampshire, New well, York. Yeah, but Massachusetts is much more approachable for us. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of New York City we've wanted to try to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is this is fantastic. This beer is fantastic. The brewery's business acumen is mind boggling to me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I'm so into that this episode. But I mean, that's that's something that's really cool. Night Shift Brewing. Try it. Fluffinity, New England India Pale Ale of Mysterious Origins. <laughs> <laughs> it's real good. It is real good. You got anything else to add? I do not. All right. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. And subscribe to catch our future episodes because you can find us on crackandwhenopen.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or basically wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackandwhenopen, or you can shoot us an email at crackandwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. <laughs> Especially if you're a brewer, like the brewers from Night Shift Brewing. Please contact us. <laughs> Let us know what beer you want us to pick up or wine or seltzer or cider. I really want to talk about we your business stuff. We will order it or find it or come to visit you. Yeah, we will freaking come <laughs> do allows. a whole podcast. I, I don't care. You guys are very interesting to me. Yes. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> what other plugs you got? Well, I've got two other podcasts to do. I've got Forgotten Cinema. I do with my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released during its initial run or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience during its initial run. We discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we always recommend you revisit it because you never know, you might find your own forgotten gem uh, that releases every single Wednesday uh, and we have fun things that we post in social media every weekday including a commercial every Thursday you can find us on ForgottenCinemaPod.com and ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are all part of the Forgotten Entertainment family I've also got two player bros a podcast I do with my buddy Dave where we're two guys who play way too many video games join me and Dave where we talk about the newest video game releases 
PlayStation, Xbox, PC, VR, Nintendo. We have it all. We play it all. I even finally got my PlayStation 5. So I've now really got it all. (laughs) And join us every other week while we do a post-game Presented by Two Player Bros, where we do a deep dive into your favorite modern classic or new release. We talk about what we think about the gameplay or the story and our thoughts on the game. That's Two Player Bros, and that comes out every single Thursday at twoplayerbros.com, forgetonartytimber.com, or wherever you find your podcasts. I've also got audiobooks that I do, and these audiobooks, guys, are very important to me. My sales have not been gigantic, which is weird because I talk about this every week. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, I do audiobooks on? on Audible. Michael Butler is my name, not Michael Butler Marie or Michael Butler. Just Michael Butler. Look me up. Final Girl, Sour, Switch, Coffee at Midnight, Progressive Entrapment, Vacation Planet. These are books that I have done. Check them out. They range from horror to short stories to British art thief books to <laughs> sci-fi. I mean, I run the gamut. Go check them out. Please support me. I don't make a dime on a lot of these books unless you guys buy them. So please buy them. Check them out. They're really, really, really good. I promise. At least my narration is really, really, really good. It's true. I I, I was present for most of the recordings. <laughs> it's true. Quietly present. So not to interrupt the recording. Because I'm a professional. <laughs> That's right. And you're a professional. That's right. <laughs> professional five. Professional five. <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm sorry. Oh, that's all I got. All right. Well, then a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. <gasps> Are we going to cheers? Cheers. Cheers. Why wow, you caught up with me? What you do? Gulp that stuff? <laughs> it's good. <laughs>